Today we're recording another special episode. We've got a guest with us today. Please welcome our guest for today, Stuart. Please welcome Toby. All the way from Finland, please welcome R2. From the T-Hood podcast, we have Moby. From the US, we have a special guest, and that is Vic. Please welcome our guest, Ray, from the US. Please welcome our guest, Joshua, all the way from the US. Please welcome our guest for today, all the way from Canada, Evan. Please welcome our guest for today, Harry. So, Stuart, can you tell us, what is your earliest Bond memory? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. This is, I grew up very much with the Roger Moore films. Um, I used to see them on telly. But the biggest memory that stood out to me is actually Chris Tarrant flogging Kentucky Fried Chicken on a video um, advert. So, I think it was been about nine or ten. And my parents had got a copy of um, License to Kill. I still can't remember how much of the film I actually saw. Because it's a 15, I think. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a graphic bit in it. So, I can't remember if I saw that or not. Um, but what I does stick out for me is yeah you got Chris Tarrant set flogging Kentucky Fried Chicken with a prize of Bond experience for the day so Chris Tarrant with his lovely Pat Sharp Funhouse style that he had selling it actually looks a bit more suave than Bond he had his night he was some flogging a t-shirt I think you, you could win as another prize as well they never actually showed what it looked like as Bond for a day I don't know if it was like you can imagine if it was like Roger Moore's or Pierce Brosnan's Bond themed it'd be quite um, light-hearted and tongue-in-cheek I don't know if it's like Dalton's on a path for revenge is going to be um, quite hardcore or something. Whether you just go into Columbia and chase down some sort of drug lords or something, I don't know. Um, maybe that's why they never advertised, because the person didn't survive who won it. But um, there you go, that, that's my um, first memory, really, of um, Bond that really sticks out. What would you say your favourite Bond film is? It's a difficult one, and, and it's one of those ones where I think if you ask me today and then you asked me in six months' time, it, it could change. I think, though, I generally always come back to The Living Daylights, but at the same time, I've got the softest spot ever for Live and Let Die and for Casino Royale film as well. But I think generally I always come back to The Living Daylights. I think it was the first film that I saw in the cinema, um, the first Bond film or non-animated film I saw in the cinema as a kid. But my, when I was talking to my dad about this the other day, he thinks that it was a view to a kill. But if it was, I don't remember it. But yeah, I mean, The Living Daylights is a great Bond and um, it's a shame we didn't see more Dalton films. So you've just talked about your favourite film. So let's look at the polar opposite. What is your worst film? Yes, uh, well, I have to maybe... Um... I, I'm I'm trying to keep my answers maybe a bit shorter, but uh, I, I'm gonna say like I, I don't. It, it kind of changes my 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 kind of like my least favorite kind of change changes every uh, every now and then. Like I would say maybe like like live like I like Man with the Golden Gun. I think is generally the worst in the series because I think it's um it has a good villain, but I think it's a kind of like badly paced film. It's a, I think it's a film that unlike Casino Royale, feels very uncertain and insecure in itself. Uh, I think it has the worst Bond performance, given the crudeness of uh, Roger Moore's acting uh, or, or, like, or his characterization of the film. And like, and I, I have a very kind of like hard time accepting the, uh, the, the way the female characters are handled in that film. But, um, I, but, but I'm going to say like a film that I think kind of like screws its own premise the worst uh and or like it kind of squanders its own potential was specter from 2015 and uh i 
think it's and it's and but it's it's not like it's the worst film but i think it's uh well i think in execution i think it had leaves a lot to be desired it's way too long it's the uh the tension isn't quite there it feels very paper thin it feels very rote and i think like craig himself i i kind of feel that like they had they made some kind of miscalculation in how the director and the actor made some miscalculation how to perform the role in that film because i think people people say that like craig felt craig seemed bored in that film i don't think he was necessarily bored i think he was trying to channel this kind of general sean connery like coolness but that kind of translated as him being kind of like uh distant and kind of uh tired and also he had a, like a like a traumatic knee injury so that might have done something with that but i think the main problem with spectre why it doesn't really work is a fun is that unlike with no time to die where like bond dying was a like a risk decision but that didn't fundamental in fundamental level didn't bother me i think spectre is a film that like in its own plot and story is fundamentally uh, kind of wrong, which is which is the idea of like making Blofeld Bond's brother is is a it was a deep miscalculation. First of all, it's essentially lifted from a James Bond parody of Austin Powers Three, but uh, but the bigger problem is that it creates it's uh, it doesn't track it doesn't it doesn't the, the the actions of the character in the present do not feel tangibly connected to anything in the past because the characters themselves do not really communicate with it uh, because uh, because the bond and blowfeld themselves don't seem to he has seem to have any special relationship it's just said that they have and also by doing this and claiming that somehow every single film before the uh, specter was kind of like this big plan made by blowfeld to torture bond first of all it doesn't make any sense and the second of all it places bond himself into the center of this universe things are happening to him because of who he is it's in and and that's in not interesting uh, but let's let's switch gears slightly and let's talk about bond himself as in the actors who played bond do you have a particular favorite that played the role i do and again this may be my rose colored glasses as i called it before with uh, how I was introduced to the series. My favorite is Pierce Brosnan. If you were to ask me to try to nail down why, I think he had the best balance of class, humor, yet he was still dangerous, yet he still looked that traditional Bond, tall, dark, handsome. I just think he was almost a man after my own heart. And before anybody laughs and goes, well, you're a podcaster, you're nothing like James Bond. What I try to be in my life is well-balanced. I don't actually try to be excellent in any certain area. I always try to spend time to be well-rounded. And I felt Pierce Brosnan was that. Now, if you were to ask me who do I think is the best James Bond, that's a different question. I think even though he only did two films, Timothy Delton was the best James Bond. Full disclosure, I have not read the Fleming novels. However, I have looked into them. I've read excerpts. I've watched a lot of, for example, YouTube documentaries on what they were. Uh, There is an original illustration of what James Bond is supposed to look like from the 1960s. And Tim Delton just nails that. And I know he doesn't come off as the most charismatic Bond at all. In fact, he's quite crass and intense. But I think he's the closest to the Fleming Bond that has ever been filmed. 
even more so than Craig. We in the in our main pod we talk about different things like the theme songs. Did you have a particular favorite theme song? Yeah, so even though it's from what I think is the my, my least favorite Bond film, I think it's the best song. Diamonds are forever. Um, I think part of it also might be that Kanye sampled it too and made it his own on his second album. Um, but I think thematically it's really good. And also recently in the uh, Sound of 007 documentary, right? I think they spoke about Diamonds Are Forever uh, a fair amount. And that just kind of really increased my appreciation for that song even more so. Um, it's just it's such a classic, I think. I, I know a lot of folks like Goldfinger as their favorite song too, but I think Goldfinger, I mean, he's singing about the villain and it's like ah oh, whatever but diamonds are forever it feels a little romantic and um I don't know, it, it just feels perfect definitely a classic for sure but we can't talk james bond without talking bond girls now there's been many over the years but do you have a particular favorite yeah i picked uh eva green uh who plays vesper lynn out of casino royale the first daniel craig movie i thought she was one of the first times where somebody is standing toe-to-toe with bond in the back and forth conversation i I think people might point to octopussy there maybe as another time but the whole train scene between craig and her and just kind of the back and forth they're just trying to figure out each other and what they're each about and and you know that she's not just there to be kind of the quote-unquote bank you know, and she's not going to like let him run reckless and do whatever he wants. She doesn't give him more money to buy back in, and the CIA has to do it. Um, I thought she was just really good. I thought she was kind of a unknown actor um, too. But I mean, they kind of mostly cast unknown actors in that film, and I think they did that on purpose. They didn't want anybody to be uh, have to carry the film. They want to kind of focus everything on Craig. You know, for the next four or five films that they were going to do, which I think was a smart. Uh, thing to do casting choices but I thought she was great and she's done some stuff you know since then I I think she was in um, some sort of like fantasy movie you know I think that she kind of played the villain Uh, I think it was like a wasn't like the Angelina Jolie like take on like Snow White or something like that I think maybe she was in Um, but she doesn't I I mean I'm sure she's done other stuff too since then but uh, it would have been cool if they were able to you know roll her over into the second film but obviously um you know they had their reasons and and forcing um kind of the script to go the way it did and and developing craig's character and everything but i thought she was great um i thought she really embodied the character and and like i said she just kind of held her own um on the screen with craig and that's not something that you normally see with James Bond versus whoever the Bond girl is is in the film. Usually it's just, you know, some somebody who they cast who just kind of looks the part. I mean, they had, I think they had Denise Richards playing like a, uh, some sort of scientist. Um, so that was like, it's a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, that was, you know, Halle Berry was in one of them. Um, it was a whole bunch, but you can kind of point to Casino Royale as kind of how they changed that. And they, they changed it up in, in how they were casting that role in the films. Uh, and she was the first one. I think she did an excellent job um, when she was in there. Yeah. While you were just talking there, May, I quickly Googled Eva Green because she's someone that um, in, in the UK, um, at least because um, I believe she's French. Um, she is quite 
I would say she's quite famous, but she's not actually been in that many films. Um, the the TV role that um, is she's probably most famous for is Penny Dreadful. Dreadful. So uh, I don't know. If that's big in America. Showtime show. Yeah, I think it was on for like a couple of years, three, four seasons, maybe something like that. But it was on like a premium cable network here, so I don't know how many people actually saw it. Do you have a particular favorite villain? So this could be either the, the main primary villain or one of the, the henchmen slash henchwoman. Sure. Um, I really appreciate uh, Raul Silva. I, I like how they brought, you know, just a really modern take on what a villain could do with, you know, computers and, you know, also being, you know, pretty close to Bond's equal as, you know, both being from MI6. I think that he's a, yeah very worthy adversary so one thing that jay and i talk about in each of the main pods is our favorite scenes from each of the bond movies uh, are there any memorable scenes from the franchise that stick out in your mind the number one and i think um again perhaps probably because it's the first one that i had ever seen and i know it has a lot of iconic status with bond fans is the uh, the jump the damn jump uh, in the pre-title sequence of golden eye um i just you know i rewatched golden eye recently and I can only imagine it's, you know, License to Kill, um, unfortunately, it was sort of a, a bit of a commercial flop uh, in terms of Bond and six years between movies is a long time. So, I mean, you know, I obviously wasn't really present enough to sort of understand the gravity of, of Golden at the time, but um, they had to get it right. Um, it had to go well and it kind of had to be a smash hit um, in order to ensure that Bond was going to kind of survive into the modern era. Um, and thinking back on all of that context, watching the damn jump is even more impressive, like as a way to introduce the Bond. It's just this awesome stunt. Um, it, it's it's so iconic with, with the wall and yeah, I just love it. I think the other uh, sort of memorable scene that really pops out to me is, uh, and I sort of uh, quickly mentioned it before, but that's Tracy's death uh, at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, I think uh, it's funny understanding the way that uh, they followed it up with uh, Diamonds Are Forever and sort of the the lack of continuity, so to speak. But um, again, it's 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 very unique, I think, in um, the sort of uh, Bond um, filmography for the fact that that movie ends on really sad tragic note um which is you know pretty unfamiliar for bond usually it's you know getting the girl and flying away in some amazing contraption but um i i think that's why i like it so much is, is sort of that departure and i think um it was a movie that sort of signaled that bond didn't have to be um you know a secret agent movie um without a lot of gravitas it, it it was something that could be sort of fairly dramatic and um you know quite highbrow uh, in a way and i mean i say that you know and there's blofeld in a neck brace in the car which is obviously pretty uh, silly but no it's it's it was really well done and i think uh credit as well to peter hunt um who's obviously a long time sort of a core uh, member of the, the crew that was producing movies but um, really, really well done. And uh, I think George Lazenby's um, sort of um, his, his tone and his his delivery um, of that scene is really, really good. It's actually probably the best he is as Bond. Um, so I think the fact that he saved his best for last as an actor um, appearing in his first feature film is, is really, really well done. There's def- that's definitely too... I pretty much say iconic scenes aren't they Andy there from the Bond franchise and you know listeners correct me if, if I'm wrong I believe the golden eye damn jump is definitely one of the 
pre-title sequences that me and Andy have said is one of the best ones, if not the best, um, in the franchise so far. Yeah, I think I think it's maybe the best debut scene of any Bond film, particularly because it's the first time Brosnan appears, and to make that impact, and, and to your earlier point, Evan, around you know, the six-year gap, they've got to get it right. I mean, that's coming out with all guns blazing. If ever there was a scene to, to say Bond is back, that would be the one. Thinking about the future of James Bond, and at the time of recording, they haven't announced who the new James Bond is going to be. There's, there's lots of rumours out there. So if you were the producer, Harry, on the next James Bond, and you had the deciding vote, who would you pick to be the next James Bond actor? Yeah, and it looks like the the rumors are in line with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, and I did actually just see him in Bullet Train, in which he was great. Um, but you know, I I would take that with a grain of salt. I believe uh, Sam Worthington was the favorite before Craig was announced, uh, who's of course now famous for the Avatar films. Uh, right to the point where Barbara Broccoli was supposedly coming to his dressing room to fix him up before his auditions, that he was just the preference going in. Um, and we all know what happened, Daniel Craig got the part. So that's why I'm sort of taking the Johnson rumors with a grain of salt, because it, the rumors all seem to be backed by the fact that he is uh, Broccoli's favorite, when I don't think that means a thing. I think she you know, is more interested in the, the good of the franchise going forward than it is, you know, what she likes. Um, and that's why I think the franchise is still running today because she does a superb do- job administrating it. Uh, who would I like to see? I've, I've always thought Henry Cavill would be perfect. And I believe when we, we started talking about doing this podcast, I thought Henry Cavill was going to be a bit busy, but that doesn't seem to be the case because that's, uh, you know, he's no longer going to be Superman. Uh, I think he's also out of The Witcher. So, uh, having seen Man from Uncle, I think that role would be great. That would be his layer cake. What layer cake did for Craig was essentially give him the Bond role. So I think if you take a look at Man from Uncle, I mean, Cavill can rock a suit. He's very suave, elegant. I think he would do the part really well. I also think, you know, if they decide to go in this direction, then John Boyega would also be a good choice. He did kind of get sidelined in Star Wars, so why not give him another run at a franchise um i think he'd be a great leading man a couple of really good choices there yeah and uh listeners out there if if you haven't heard it jay and i did a special next bond episode where we we talked about some of the bookmakers favorites and a couple of uh, wild cards that we threw in as well but yeah at the time we recorded that i think henry cavill may have been bookie's favorite and um aaron taylor johnson didn't get a single mention in that episode because he was on no one's list, nobody was talking about him, and then all of a sudden he's just appeared out of nowhere, and uh, the rumour mill has taken effect. So uh, interesting that, that he's there. But, but Henry Cavill, John Boyega, two very, very good choices in my opinion. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Just in case you haven't listened to the special episode about next Bond, James Bond, from memory, Andy, you know, my memory's going all the time here, but from memory we both picked Richard Madden didn't we, from memory. What's your thoughts about Richard Madden, Harry? Yeah, I love Game of Thrones. Uh, I think he would be good. Um, I, you know, haven't seen a lot of his other stuff besides his turn as uh, as one of the, uh, one of the Starks, excuse me. So I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know a lot about him. He's also in that show on Netflix. Uh, Bodyguard? Yeah, that's the one, right? Um, that's, that's who I'm thinking of then in terms of him 
wearing that sort of elegance in, in the suit. So, yeah, he might be good. No, in, in all seriousness, um, thank you very much for, for being on the, the show today. We've really, really enjoyed having you and listening to your opinions. And it's, it's great to get uh, views from, from other Bond superfans. fans.